in 05 and 06 I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home I missed my life, missed my wife For 15 months she was all alone But when I got back I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this and we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer, we can do anything we want Look, if I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. And uh, today we got Randall Crowder. He's from Austin, Texas. Randall, thanks for being here, man. Hook him. Well, I, can't, I, can't, I don't him. know if I can say hook him this time because it's like, you know, when you're from Austin, you are like just a bitter UT fan. You're loyal as hell, but you're angry yeah. as hell because we can't seem to, fi- we, you know, pardon my friend, we can't seem to uh, yeah. to find a victory here. So we, we, we pull you know, victory for, you know, or defeat from the jaws of victory. It seems like every weekend and, and to give Alabama the game of their lives and, and run them up on a backup quarterback only to lose by one. is just, painful. man, I was so, pulling for you guys I'm, so hard in that game. I was like, please be uh, And watch, you know, we'll have some, you know, two bit team take us, you know, and just, just blow us out in the next couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. That's what we do. We play to our talent. Um, and so I, I hope that, you know, this is a learning experience for, for the kids and, and I hope they take this and they grow from yeah. it, you know, fingers crossed. So it does anyway. feel like Texas has been, you guys have been kind of just waiting for kind of a while now for t- up, you know, for Texas standards, right. Cause you've had some, yeah. a lot of success. So it's, it feels like it's been a minute since you've really kind of, been there you know it, i swear someone needs to write up you maybe you, you should because i mean you know you, obviously we're on you know uh, championship leadership you know talking about that and it's like you know you always hear these anecdotes about leadership and you always hear these anecdotes about culture and like you know it's always kind of hard to put your finger on it but it's like i always tell people it's one of those things you know it when you see it yeah you know i can break yeah. down what, what i think a leader is what i think yeah. a manager is i think you know you, you having served as well you kind of know the difference between you know, someone who's kind of born to lead and someone who's just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of put in the position by rank. At UT, they have all the tools, yeah. they have all the money, they have all right. the talent, but for some reason it doesn't come together. And like, you know, somebody needs to really go in there and like really study what is going on. And it was really depressing. Like for most like diehard UT fans, we go back to 2005, right? So that was the Vince Young era one of the yeah. greatest you know, yeah. college games of all times. I mean, what a remarkable performance. Um, but a lot of people would go, what about 2010? It's like, okay, yeah, we went to the, we went to the title game in 2010. And Is that like, Colt really, McCoy? Were, that was Colt McCoy getting yeah. taken out, you know, very early on. And so, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Yeah. But it's interesting. They, they track back a tale of two programs. Like from that game, Alabama did this. 
and UT just did this. And like, you know, they got punched in the mouth, um, bummer, and it just crippled the program. And, you know, they've had three, like, number one, you know, or, you know, three, like, you know, kind of first round draft picks since then. Like, that's, I mean, that's That's uh, 12 years, like only three, like, you know, Alabama's had like 40 something. (laughs) They've gone the title game like 10 times. They've won six titles. Like, it's just, it's incredible. Like, I think as a leader, you know, understanding not only how do you respond to failure, but how do you rally, you know, your troops, your soldiers, your people, your team, you know, whatever, what do you do when you get punched in the mouth? You know, how do you respond? You know, do you use it to fuel you and, and drive you forward? Or do you kind of keep going, well, once upon a time, we did this one thing and we were really good. And you kind of use it as an excuse. It's really, I don't know what, you know, UT has got to figure it out, man. They, they, they just, they don't have that hunger, that drive, yeah. that kind of, you know, let's, let's go, let's go get after it. I mean, I think that it, it has to be that, right? I mean, because like you said, they got everything else. And before Nick Saban with Alabama, and I don't know how we got on this football tangent, but that's all right. I like football. Um, <laughs> Alabama was kind of going through that same period of struggle that Texas is right now. And like overnight, basically with the new coach, a new leadership in town. I mean, obviously look at what they've done. That's incredible. And and, you know, I always kind of try to, you know, remember like, you know, look, I'm, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I'm the, I'm the peanut gallery. And so like, I don't want to be too hard on people. And then, you know, they're, they're, you know, you know, this too, you know, they're in the mud, right. You know, so it's like, I try to be a little bit, you know, Hey, look, I, it's easy for me to, you know, throw stones, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I think for me, it's, you know, you know, I always hate to see not wasted potential cause I don't think they're wasting it, yeah. but when you know, someone has such amazing potential, you just want to see them live into it and, right. and you know, it's there and it's not about the coach. It's not about anyone, you know, kid. Um, it's not about the system. It's all of those things. And it's all mm-hmm. of those things coming together to support each other. And so yeah. I always talk about that with like, you know, even when I think about like my current role at Funware, you know, being a public company, so much of my responsibilities now is, you know, how do I train and resource the people underneath me? And, you know, mm-hmm. there are certain people who, you know, I see it in them. I mean, they, they could, the sky's the limit and, you know, yeah. I don't think they see it in themselves. Right. And so it's yeah. like, how do I get that out of them? How do I, you know, get them out of their comfort zone to see them how I see them. So, you know, I think that's going to be something that UT is going to have to figure out over the next, you know, hopefully this season, but, you yeah. know, at least soon. Yeah, I mean, one rebuild. game you can't, you know, and against probably the best team in the country. So, yeah, I mean, for there, sure. There's some moral victories there for sure. What's up? Well, that, that kind of leads us into what I like to usually ask first is what championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So, you know, what's kind of your definition or what is, what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? Yeah. You know, I think it's funny. We were talking about before we started about, you know, I'm, I'm not great at, you know, the influencer engagement, you know, social media space. And, and I've got some really, you know, close friends like Dan Fleischman and, and you know, yeah. Todd Armstrong who introduced us, um, you know, kind of talking about that willingness to put yourself out there and and you know i think a lot of people talk about like you know leaders often you know more often than not you know don't really ask to lead you know they're they're usually kind of put in situations and, and they yeah. step up um i think where i think you know we talked about this a little bit like leadership versus manager for me like leadership is less of like a construct and more of just like this consistent commitment to conviction of action 
know? mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think, you know, being a leader is, you know, you know, when you get, I think I always kind of couch it in terms of like motivation. Like you think about like motivation, like I'm going to watch a YouTube video, get real jacked up and I'm like, let's go do something. Well, motivation, you know, those endorphins go away after a while. That adrenaline yeah. goes away after a while. Um, you know, when you're, you know, on mile 20 of a ruck march, you know, it, it, motivation is not going to get you there. It, yeah. and it's just really this conviction of action. And so when I see like leadership, like championship leadership, it's the one more crowd. Um, is, you know, Jordan talks about this, you know, Kobe talks about this, elite athletes talk about this, you know, they're leaders, you know, in, in, in their own right at a championship level, literally. Um, and it's just that dogged, you know, one more rep, one more step, one more thing. And like when other people around you see that, they're like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, you're inspiring others through your actions, you know, not yeah. so much your words. The words are a part of it, right? Um, but when it comes to like championship leadership, elite leadership, it's those things that, you know, last, last man off, of, you know, last man to step off the battlefield and like, you know, right. last man to eat, like your soldiers yeah. notice that they, they, they see that and they yeah. see you still, you know, practicing and, you know, some of these guys will work out before the workout or they'll stay for yeah. a second or third yeah. workout after the workout. And then everybody else is looking at that going, dude, that's a captain. Like, yeah. And if, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so yeah. like for me, that championship leadership is just showing people, you know, follow me. Like, I'm not going to yeah. tell you to do something I'm not going to do. If it sucks, I'm going to, it's going to suck for me too. Um, and it's just having that conviction to be consistent. It's not just on Mondays, I'm going to be real jacked up and fired up. But by like Wednesday, I'm kind of fading and Friday, you're never going to find me. It's no, every day we're going to put in the work. And, yeah. and I think that that to me just embodies that leadership. And it goes back to what we're talking about football. It's like setting that example of just, it's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah. I love it, man. That's awesome. The other one more, you know, uh, that reminds me what Ed, my life, you, you familiar with him? He's got the, yeah, he's got yeah, the, no, it, it, yep. that's the name of his new book. I think is something to do with one more yet, rep. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of power to that for sure. Um, absolutely. Andy Frazella, you know, another, another good friend yeah. has been somebody that we've seen a lot. I mean, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll, you know, motivation and inspiration, right. You know, they're, they're just two amazing human beings who, you know, really cut through a lot of the BS. I think there's a lot of, I wouldn't say, you know, we don't have to get political, um, you know, but the, the rough edges kind of make people uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, but I think part of, you know, being a leader is, is telling people like it is. Um, yeah. And being man, people don't understanding like that. of every, they, they hate it. You <laughs> know, crazy. it really makes people uncomfortable because nobody yeah. wants to be told they're soft, know. you know, but it's right. like, there's a lot of people who are soft. <laughs> And sometimes you need to be told you're soft. And, I just saw it. So, just reminds me. I just saw a clip of Goggins on Rogan. It was like, someone might call you fat and that might be mean, but you might be fucking fat. <laughs> someone might call you dumb. It's like, you know, you're fat. And that's might not be nice, but you might be a fucking dumbass. <laughs> I mean, self-awareness, right? You're like, yeah. no, that, 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 that goes into championship leadership. I, I am, I am painfully aware of my, you know, the things that I lack, you know, I'm not a good singer. Um, I put me on a football field, but do not put me on a basketball court. Like there's just certain things <laughs> yeah, I know right? I'm not good at. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you for know? Sure. So <laughs> if you're fat, acknowledge that you're fat yes. and then decide, yeah. well, you know, it's funny. My dad, both my parents smoked when I was younger, you know, like everybody else in that generation, you yeah. know, didn't, didn't realize how bad it was for you. No, um, fast forward to today, you know, they both, you know, my, my dad passed away from lung cancer. My mom just had surgery to correct lung cancer. It's oh, crazy. Man. Um, but you know, my dad used to always say something I always respected when I was a kid, 
I, I just browbeat my mother into quitting smoking. She quit, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and I, I was just like, you know, I was always honored all the time. Like, mom, oh, please quit, quit. Trying to like quit, you know, her son's yeah. asking her to quit smoking. So she quits, you know, awesome. And I remember my dad like telling me, like, listen, like, relax. Like, I know it's bad for me. I'll quit when I want, but I accept the consequences. And I remember him telling me this when I was probably like, you know, maybe a freshman in high school. And I remember always thinking like, you know what? I can live with that. I respect yeah. that. Like you, yeah. you know, you're not, what, what, what irks me are the people with just all the excuses. Like, Oh, I just, yeah. you know, I can't lose this weight. Like, no, you don't want to lose the weight. Like maybe right. 5% of the population actually has some genetic defect or something that hurts in their ability to be able yeah. to lose the weight. The rest of you is just fucking lazy. Like let's be <laughs> yeah, dead on that. Yeah. And so I like that. He was like, look, I'm not going to make excuses like I can't quit. Nicotine's addictive, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I can quit if I want to. I don't want to. I'm choosing to do this, even though it's a vice. And, I, you know, I own that. And I accept the consequences. I and mean, he paid the ultimate consequence. Yeah, right. Uh, but he never complained about it. He never, like, was boo-hoo. When he was going through chemo, he's like, I did this to myself. And you know what? If I go back in time, I'd probably not smoke. But I did what I did, and now i got to pay the price. And so, you know, I always was like, all right, if you're going to be have like, if you're going to be fat, they're going to be dumb. Own that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. What, uh, well, I feel like we, uh, we haven't even got to you. So tell us a little bit about your background for the listeners who've been listening now for probably 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope that I give people hope because I think I, I spent a career collecting jobs I'm probably not qualified for. So don't <laughs> let like, you know, if anybody listening, like if you are, if you want to be something or do something, you know, it's possible. Um, you know, so did the military thing for a while. Um, so senior year at West Point was 9-11. So most of my time was spent deployed. Got out in uh, 2008 of stop loss. Got out in 2008 um, and then ended up going back to McCombs here at UT uh, for my MBA. And kind of, you know, I think when I got out, and I'm sure, you know, some people, you know, you probably felt this a little bit too. Like, you know, it's like, how does my skill sets translate to the private, you know, pri private sector? You know, I, I think the, the, the U.S. Army and the U.S. Armed Forces doesn't do an amazing job at transition. They, they say they do and they try where they right. can. But again, it's kind of a cultural thing, because if you read like Startup Nation um, and think about like what the role of service, what role that plays in Israel and what role that plays in their entrepreneurial ecosystem and innovation, it's infused throughout everything that Israel is like their idea of service. And like, you know, mm -hmm. that it's a point of pride and, and everyone does it and it's camaraderie and it's, you know, you, yes, you're a you know high profile banker, but you also serve. And like here, everyone, I was getting out, I was like, shit, man, like, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, and all my friends are out doing deals on wall street. Like, you know, what, what, what value do I have? Um, and I think nothing could be further from the truth, especially for people serving, you know, over the last, you know, 20 years, like, it's just a different army. There's so right. there's a different military, there's so yeah. much complexity, you know, we had never trained for the roles, you know, I know you were in Iraq as well, like, you know, we had never trained for those roles. Um, and so you kind of had to be entrepreneurial, you kind of had to make it up as you go, like leadership was pushed down to the smaller unit level, because you weren't doing force on force across, you know, NTC or JRTC or whatever the hell we were trained to do. You had to make it up in these urban situations. And, you know, one day you're a trigger puller and the next day you're, you know, handing out candy. And so yeah. it was very kind of, you know, what can you do in an asymmetric situation or an ambiguous situation uh, to, to both lead and serve at the same time. 
And so, you know, I think I started beginning to realize how much of that actually does translate, you know, to the private sector, you know, organizational leadership, camaraderie, discipline. Um, and so, but I was going to use my MBA to kind of hopefully polish up on some of the other skills. Uh, and I, I but I, I think that that sense of not having a specific skill set motivated me. And I was like, all right, you know, if I, if I don't, if I feel like I'm behind, I got to catch up. And so I hit the ground running. So the minute I got out, um, I started networking across all of Austin. I made a list of a hundred people that, you know, I wanted to meet, you know, set out to meet them. Um, probably 50 of them never responded. 20 yeah. of them, you know, kicked the can down the curb, but 30 of them, you know, were, were able to you know, usually get something together. And so started just meeting people um, and ended up meeting a few people who were kind of dialed into the angel investment community here and the kind of the early stage venture capital community. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so kind of figured, well, you know, know your enemy. Um, you know, let's, let's figure out the whole VC game before I'm an entrepreneur. So I kind of know what to expect. Um, and then just fell in love with it. I had an early mentor in uh, Admiral Inman, who's an early um, investor in Dell and Oracle, previously uh, deputy director of the CIA, worked under the Clinton administration, um, and kind of just said, hey, look, I want to be a fly on the wall. Let me help out. I'll add, I led with value. I was like, you know, if you let me into the meetings, I will find ways to add value. Um, I'm not asking for to be paid. I'm not asking to do anything. I just want a chance to kind of see how this all works. Um, and that ended up working out pretty well. Uh, ended up taking over a local angel network uh, here in Austin. that had just gotten started, the Central Texas Angel Network. I grew that to be the most active angel network in the country uh, in a few years. Did my MBA at McCombs. I did a Kauffman Fellowship out of Silicon Valley uh, for two years and then started my own fund focused on healthcare, um, and did that for about a decade. So we invested in seed, Series A, Series B, early stage healthcare, where we were applying technology. Now, that was me also being self-aware. Lord knows I didn't know that much about medicine. You know, shocker. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I knew how to leverage technology to make in, inherently inefficient systems more efficient. Um, and I love that. And so I spent a decade doing that. Um, and then, you know, ironically, and it's always funny how life works out. So as, when I was an angel, I helped start Funware back in 2009 uh, with the first seed round. Fast forward uh, to about 2016, 2017, uh, the founder uh, and I, who's also an Army veteran, uh, we're riffing on kind of the rise of blockchain and how that might impact Funware. I decided to put a couple, uh, about $3 million into Funware the, for the last private round. Um, and then we went public um, about a year after that. And so the old CEO needed to step away for some health reasons. Um, the CEO said, hey, you know, you're tired of being a VC. You want to, you know, get back you know, and actually do something, you know, one team, one fight, you know, kind of, you know, keep, help build this thing with me. And I think it would have taken like a special company for me to want to do that. And I think Funware yeah. is that. Um, we're doing something, you know, really, really cool. You know, we built the first NFL app. We built the first NASCAR app. We did all of Fox's mobile application portfolio. And then now we're basically licensing mobile software to drive what's called digital transformation. So like, you know, anytime you use like your phone to unlock your hotel room or anytime you use uh, your phone to like get on a plane, the QR codes, like turning your yeah. phone into a mobile concierge, that's digital transformation. Uh, and so we do it for hospitals stadiums, hotels. We just launched at Atlantis down in the Bahamas. Uh, we're doing like complex workplaces. And so really high level, like Fortune 500, like enterprise mobile applications. That's our jam. Okay. That's awesome. I love it. Is is Tim Ferriss, is he in Austin? Yeah, he's in Austin. Yeah. Because so yeah, he, 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 he was here before it was world, cool. Right? Did, so have you yeah. crossed paths with him? Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's a great. You know, he was he was kind of uh, probably the one of the the 
not, I mean, obviously there's a lot, we got Dell and a bunch of other people, but like of the new generation kind of before like, you know, Elon and before Joe Rogan, I think Tim was, Tim was the guy, like he was the one that yeah. kind of saw Austin first. And so I know we were talking yeah. about this. It's, it's really cool to see Austin coming into its own. Cause when I was investing, people would always ask like, you know, Hey, when's Austin going to become like Silicon Valley? And I used to tell them never, um, yeah. you know, Silicon Valley had this, you know, it came out of the gold rush. I mean, it was, it was even a gold rush mentality. You know, you had this, you know, money going after these just big swings for the fences. And then you had this reseeding effect, you know, so, out of eBay, out of PayPal, out of Facebook, out of Apple, out of HP, you know, all these other executives would kind of spawn off and then they would start companies. And I mean, how do you, how do you replicate or compete with that? It's just you, the people are what matters, not the money and the money will go where the people will go. And so fast forward to today, the pandemic, you know, accelerated, you know, Texas and Florida, but you know, Austin and Miami specifically, you know, those two ecosystems will for, have been forever changed. And we've just seen an influx of not only capital, big shot, you know, VCs like 8VC with Joe Lonsdale, um, you know, Peter Thiel, you know, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, you know, a lot of folks coming over here. But Tim Barris was one of the first kind of bigger shots that were here before yeah. and of the new generation. So he's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. What's, um, would you shift, shift gears a little bit here? What, who are some, some championship leaders that have impacted you and, and really like more so what, what are some of the characteristics of them, you know, coaches, mentors, people that have really impacted you? Uh, what are some of the characteristics yeah. that really stand out to you? You know, uh, General McCaffrey won for sure. Uh, probably the one, you know, I, I'll say this first and, I, and I'll, I'll answer it, you know, back you know, to General McCaffrey. I think I, I shot myself in the foot. And so when I was investing, I used to have this, you know, amazing professional coach. And we talked about coaching before. But I always felt like an entrepreneurial journey can be very lonely. Because, like, who do you talk to? You don't want to talk to your peers because, like, you don't want them to think you're failing. You don't want to talk right. to your investors if you took money because you really don't yeah, want them to think right. you're failing. You don't want to talk to the wife or the husband because you don't want them to think you're failing because yeah. you know, yeah. you've, you've, you've leveraged the house and remortgaged <laughs> everything and got two credit cards maxed out. Um, so it's like you kind of put on these airs where you're like, yeah, it's great. You know, and like, you know, inside you're dying. Cause you're yeah. just like, you don't yeah. know if you're going to make payroll, you know? So I always thought it was nice to have a third party to talk to, you know, mm -hmm. and cause a, a really good coach is, you know, one part professional coach, one part personal coach, one part priest, one part counselor, one part therapist, right. and then, you know, one part just a sounding board. Right. And so I had every one of my entrepreneurs I invested in, you know, have this amazing coach locally, Renee Rogers, who's just world-class. Um, and I, one time, you know, I was like, well, I got to, you know, leaders, you know, got to do it, go through it too. Right. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, practice what you preach. And so yeah. I, mean, I was talking to her one time and she, and I was kind of giving her this, you know, riff on, I think when I was getting out of college, I really, you know, it was fascinated with the whole like wall street, like movie, like not, not the movie yeah. or the, the criminality of it all, but like that mentor mentee relationship where it's like, I'm going to take you under my wing. I'm going to teach you how it's really done. And, you know, we're going to be successful together, but I'm going to watch you grow. And I was always like, God, that would be awesome to have like that kind of like master of the universe, tell you what to do, hopefully <laughs> keep you out of jail. But, you know, like at least right. like tell you how the game was played. And I've yeah. never really had it. And it was funny. She said to me one day, she's like, the most people look at like a mentor mentee relationship, like the mentor is supposed to do exactly what I said, bring you, you know, pull them under your wing and teach you the ropes. And it's like, it's a two way street, you know, and you have to be 
vulnerable enough for a mentor to think you need mentoring, but you have to be open enough to be able to be mentored. Yes. And you have to have at least enough, you know, kind of courage to actually ask to be mentored. Yeah. So, you know, and she was like, you've never done that. Like you kind of, you know, if somebody's looking at you, they're going to think, oh, he's got it. He's good. Like I, I have no role here. And it's like, so the more you put on those airs of I've got it, the more a mentor is going to move on to somebody else where they can actually be of value, be of use. And so you got to kind of, you know, you, you know, part of networking, you know, it can be a little smaller subsegment of let me, you know, network for a mentor and let me kind of build that mentoring relationship and actually put some real good insight and forethought into it uh, because it can be wildly rewarding. Now, I don't, you know, so I've had some really good advisors along the way. I, I don't know that they would be mentors, but I, I wish I would have taken more time to kind of know then what I know now about making them a mentor, but they've had, you know, impacts on me. So like, you know, Joe McCaffrey, um, yeah, I remember one of, one, always one of the things that he said, and actually Admiral Inman, um, who's here locally, also said to me one time, and it was all about like delegation. And it was his, you know, what they were both trying to say in different ways, you know, almost 10 years apart, um, was this idea of just because you can get an A at something doesn't mean you shouldn't allow someone else to get a B minus at it because it frees you up to go do something where you can get an A plus and maybe that activity has, you know, a higher coefficient. It's just more valuable than the whole. And like, you know, wrapping your brain around that as like a type A personality is like really, really hard yeah. because like, you know, understanding, yeah, you could do it, but you shouldn't do it. Right. Or yeah, if you let one of your team members do something, they might not do it the way you would do it, or they might not even do it as good as you, but that's okay. And you don't want to necessarily make them feel like they failed because they didn't do it as good as you. You also got to support them and coach them and teach them and let them learn. So like, you know, they were, they both were telling me the art of delegation is probably one of the greatest skills a leader can develop. And it's like walking a fine line of understanding how to resource and delegate, but also train and support but also not fail either, you know? And so yeah. you, you want to give people enough room to grow, but yeah. you got to know when do you step in? When do you step back? When do you let them fail? And I mean, you know, you got kids. Uh, I had my first on the way. I assume it's kind of like parenting. It's like, you don't want <laughs> to teach them yeah. everything because you want to like let them learn on their own, but yeah, you also don't to. want to see them struggle or fail. So you're like, ah, you know, I'm sure it's a, I mean, what do you, what do you, what have you been seeing? I mean, it's from military to parenting, Kind of does that resonate with you? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, um, one hundred percent. Because I was thinking, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I think holds business owners back from really, really being able to grow. Right, they get in their mm -hmm. own way, and then you take them out of their business for a week, which is almost impossible to do. But when you get them to do that, then they go back and they re they realize that their team thrived. And that they just been in the way the whole time, right? So same thing with parenting. I hadn't put too much thought into it, but yeah, I mean, if you, because you love your kid and you want to protect them and you want to be there for them, you want to support them and you want to like, just make sure they make all the right decisions. But at, in the end, it's like, no, you, like, you're just stunting their growth. Yeah. Doing that. Like they, 
you got to allow them to learn on their own to choose what it is that they really want to get into without forcing in like your interests on them. Right. Like, yeah, you know, yep. I want them to be play football or do all the things that I did. Right. Or, or you know, be the athlete. And, yeah. uh, you know, like not all my kids necessarily want to do that. So it's like, all right, I got to. <laughs> and let, that's okay. That and be, be, uh, yeah. Just let them take their own interest, become their own person, really. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's tough, but you do the yeah. best you can. Right. So that's uh, it. You know, I, I think you do. And I, and I think that's, I think other people can, you know, the only other thing I would say about mentorship is like, so, you know, obviously, you know, Jeremy McCaffrey and Avalon are two very well known people. Um, yeah, but mentors don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have Elon Musk as your mentor. Right. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there, there are, there are really great ways to learn all around us. And so I, I really encourage everyone to kind of have like a kitchen cabinet of, you know, people who they can kind of go to in, yeah. in different functional areas, right? Someone who's yeah. really dialed into finance, really, who's someone who's really dialed into, you know, maybe business, somebody who's really dialed into something else, you know, they're a poet, I don't know, you know, yeah. it just, you know, be well, well-rounded. And, you know, the, there's a, I, I got to find this book. Somebody else had shared it with me a long time ago, but it was kind of this, people always think that if you, you know, want to like, you know, do something for somebody like that's going to somehow like, you know, make them like you. And actually like from a, a psychological perspective, you know, asking something of somebody else actually creates a stronger relationship because it feeds on somebody else's desire to you know somewhat give but it's also i mean ego is not necessarily a bad word you know it's like oh you need my help cool like yeah yeah, i can help you and so like if you find those opportunities to just put yourself out there and say hey you know like you know can you can you help me think through this part of my business or this part of my career progression or hey i value what you did over here can i like you know pick your brain for 30 minutes that actually builds a stronger relationship because you're telling somebody else i value you and, you know, I, w- I really would love your help. And that, that gasses people up. It's nice yeah, it when, when people yeah. kind of, when you feel wanted and, and, you, and you feel like you can add some value to somebody else's life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's a, what's, what's a moment for you? Um, kind of a critical moment, I guess I would say, like that fork, fork in, the, in the road moment where <laughs> you've, obviously you've, you've, uh, you chose the way you did, which is got you where you are today, but had you chose different, would have you somewhere else very differently. Um, I think we have a lot of these moments in life, but I think there's yeah. a number of them that really stick out and they're powerful to hear for others that maybe are in that situation right now. Is there a moment or two that, that come to mind for you? That's a great question. I mean, I'm going to have to steal that. Um, yeah. you know, there's probably two and they're probably, probably the same right you know so you know part of what we talked about with like leadership is that kind of consistency of you know action um well, i was probably this was the mid 90s um you know rumsfeld was downsizing the army um i had no you know i, I was not did not come my, my dad had served in the navy my grandfather had served in the navy but it wasn't like a military family and mm-hmm. so i was already accepted to ut um i had a lot of fun in high school i was going to have a lot of fun in college um, I had no desire to be in the military whatsoever. Um, and arguably the nineties were like the golden era. And so, yeah, right. you know, there was not like this call to arms. And yeah. so 
one of my good friends uh, at the time, his dad had gone to West Point, so he was always going to go to West Point. And then I mean, he was trying to, he's like, you should come with me. I'm like, you got to be in the army, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. no. I was like, no, thank you. Um, and, and, and at that point, I wasn't like, you know, too introspective. And so I was like, you know, all right, you know, let's, why, why should we go? And, you know, you see pictures of it and it is a beautiful campus. And, yeah. and then the way he got me was like, you know, look, you don't have to pay for school. And like, I, I didn't come from, you know, means and uh, I didn't want my parents, my parents were going to try to, you know, help me pay for UT. And I was like, well, it would be a cool way to let them just take the money they had saved and spend it on themselves. So I did like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like, you know, look, people are getting paid like a hundred grand just to get out of the military. Like Rumsfeld's downsizing everything. So normally you serve five years after your graduation. Um, but like people are getting out after like two years and with a hundred thousand dollar check just to get out of the military and give up their commitment. I'm like, okay, now we're talking like, Hey, yeah, right. it's a, presti- <laughs> it's a prestigious Academy. Yeah. I don't have to pay for college. I probably won't have to serve. All right, let's do it. Um, and so I started looking into it, but then I, I was kind of going through this, you know, to your point of your question is like this existential, like. I think what was really happening was I was, it was the first instance, you know, obviously we had like Texas two days and those sucked, but like, it's kind of like, you know, you're just on inertia. If you're a kid in Texas, you play football and it's, you know, two days yeah. suck. This was one of those first things where it was kind of by myself. Like no one would judge me if I didn't apply to West Point. Like no one would judge me if I didn't go to West Point. Like it was just like this, I was alone with myself thinking about like, why would I not try? do I think I can't get in? Yeah. And it was like, all right, you know what? I can probably scratch two inches here. I'm probably not going to get in, but if I don't try, I'll always wonder what if, because you know, people don't know this. There's only two real pains in this world. There's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And yeah. I always thought from a young age, I hate the idea of regret. So let's apply some discipline. So I'll apply. I won't get in. Sure shit, I got in. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh man. I was like, now, now it was a real existential <laughs> yeah. crisis where I'm like, all right, now, now this is serious. Like, do yeah. I go? And I was like, but I can't like admit that like I can't hack it. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> and so like it was those moments of, you know, what you do when no one's looking. And I think every leader has those where it's like no one's gonna be the wiser, um, but I'll know. And, and, you know, my soul will know, my energy yeah. will know, whatever. And so making that decision to go obviously changed my life because, you know, it was our senior year when 9-11 happened. And I still remember yeah, right. going into my first class and it was this like cartoonish colonel and he's kind of square jaw, gravelly voice. And we sat down and he's kind of looking at everybody and everybody's still like reeling. And we had actually got put on alert at West Point because they thought another plane was going to strike West Point. Um, and he looks at us and he's like, well, cadets, you're all going to war. And I was like, fuck me. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, this is getting out early. I remember calling my friend. Yeah. I was like, I don't think we're getting out yeah, early, buddy. He's like, no, we're not getting out early. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was the first one. And then kind of, I went through a version of this again, when I got out of the army, went to Macomb's, there was this like pitch party and this will sound stupid in comparison, but it's actually the exact same thing. I think leaders will always face this. So it was, it was before classes started. We were starting in August. Microsoft was putting on this pitch competition. I only wanted to go there because it was a group called Venture Fellows that I wanted to be a part of. And they said that some of them were going to be there. So I was like, all right, I'll go there and kind of network with them. We go in. And if you're there as a visitor, you basically have to come up with an idea on the spot and pitch everybody for Monopoly money. And like okay. I am, like we talked about in the beginning of this, like I'm not like, 
I don't fancy myself a salesperson. I don't fancy myself like that's not my jam, but like I'll do it if I have to. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm comfortable with people and, and I can talk. And so I walk in and like I start getting the lay of the land and it's packed with alumni and teachers and students. I mean, there's probably a thousand people in this alumni center. And I was like, you know, they're like, you got to have what, what's your, what's your idea? Here's some money. They're processing everybody. I'm like, Oh, hell no. I, I left. <laughs> I like, I like, turned around. I went all the way back like about four blocks to the parking garage. I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, dude, you cannot be <laughs> this much of a pussy. Like you yeah. cannot be a quitter. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what are you doing? And I, 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 I literally just gassing myself up in the car. I was like, all right, fuck this. I was like, all right, come on. <laughs> I, 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 I stormed back in there. And, and I kid you not, I, I went in and I won it. And so I won like $5,000 from Microsoft. Um, it was stupid. And I, it, it, was, it was like, this is a long ass time ago. But it was, I knew I needed something that someone could get very fast. I heard some kid pitching some like data storage thing. I was like, no one's going to get that. So I, I wanted like a product yeah. and somebody, something that somebody would get. And it's Texas. And so cause it was really just a pitch. It really wasn't the idea. Yeah. But it was basically solar shades. So this was, okay. I'm old. So it was before a lot of like, the, the the mobile craze this was 2008 yeah. Yeah. um and so it was basically you know everybody in texas has shades that they put in their visor you know in their in their car so it doesn't jack up the dashboard because the texas yeah. sun is crazy and it was basically just solar shades with a little usb port on there so you can just kind of charge your phone again uh, kids listening this is before your actual car <laughs> yeah, could charge no. all your shit exactly you know this was a yeah. long time ago so back then it made sense um, but it was basically a, a big, you know, windshield visor that would also charge, you know, keep a charge yeah, and then okay. charge all your stuff. Yeah. And it had like a little portable compartment that you could take off and put in your backpack. So while your car is sitting there, you're creating kind of battery powered storage. Then you like rip it off and then take that battery with you wherever you want to go. And it could charge up your laptop or your phone or whatever. Now, again, yeah. this is back when I used to carry a separate battery again, kids, yep. Yep. You used to be able to remove the battery from your phone and I could right. keep extra batteries on me and I never yeah. ran out of charge. Um, but obviously the manufacturer of the phones got smart and realized yeah. that they just locked the battery inside the phone. <laughs> exactly. You get, you, they can make you buy new phones yeah. and buy new chargers. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's great. So um, just doing it, you know, putting yourself out there and putting yourself in the game. Anytime yeah. you find yourself um, hesitating, that's probably a good sense that, you know, there, there's at least materiality to what you're considering. And so, you know, I've always had kind of in the back of my mind, this quote that, you know, God put the best things in your life on the other side of pure fear or mm -hmm. pure terror. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just got to go through it and, and to get to where you want to go. So well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you said, you know, when, when people are in that moment, what's, what's going on, right? They, they either won't, you know, tend to choose the safe route or others are pressuring them to change the mm -hmm. safe route, not because they're trying to hurt them, but because they like care about them and want to protect them. Exactly. Right? But, but, you know, either discipline or regret. Right. And, uh, yep. you know, you, the outcome is never guaranteed, but you know, you're definitely not going to hit it if you don't choose to go that route. So 100 what you're saying i love it yeah absolutely we start to wrap this up um if there's one or two things that you could give to the listeners uh outside of what we've already uh talked about today if they were to implement right away and it would help move their life forward what, what would those be yeah i'd say 
you know, this it sounds you know hokey, but one thing I've struggled with is just being present. You know, I think you know, you get in this routine, and and it starts at an early age. It's like you know, if I can just get to high school, all right, if I can just get to college, if I can just get out of the house, I can be on my own, I can be independent. Okay, well, if I can just graduate, all right, I just got to get my first job. All right, I'm, I can make my first million. Okay, what what I get, it's always like one more thing, and it's like before you know it, you've lived a long time. And you've just been rushing from one thing to the next. If you can figure out how to like romanticize the little stuff, mm-hmm. I guarantee you'd be happier. You know, yeah. be really jazzed about waking up and making lunch, you know, for your kids, you know, that yeah. cup of coffee while you kind of, you know, read a book or read the paper or draw or do whatever it is you do, walk in your dog. Like, you know, the, the, the little moments are mm-hmm. just as impactful um, and there's more of them. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, you know, don't spend your entire year waiting for that summer vacation where you're going to go to the Bahamas. Like, you know, there's a lot of life to be lived along the way, and you got to take stock of that, and you got to be present. Um, I think along the way, you know, I, the other one is be kind. You know, my mom always said, if you had a choice between being right and being kind, be kind. She, you know, I think Lucia, she meant it a certain way, but, like, I think I've taken it, you know, one step further. Like, you know, it's just like there, there's always these opportunities where you really can just like destroy somebody or go. Oh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I write an email and then like just delete it, or like <laughs> I go to like respond to something on Twitter and I'm like, you know what, just delete it. Like, like I'm only doing it for my own ego. Like, learning to like just stop. Like, what what is the point of what the action you're about to take? Like, do you really need to do that? Um, and more often than not, it's not even in business settings. It's a lot of times it's with your relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, do I really need to just like throw this jab at my wife or my yeah. husband? Do I really need to just kind of eh, 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 like you really don't like, right. you know, just like, oh, hey, you know, trash still hadn't been taken out. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just take it out. If it's <laughs> right, important right. to you, take it out. Like, you know, wh- why, why keep like, you know, tearing people down? Um, and so. You know, being present, romanticizing those little moments, but also just being kind to those around you. Everyone has their own journey. You know, no one wakes up and is like, you know what? I'm going to really piss off Nate today. Yep. Yeah, right. I'm going to get under <laughs> his skin. It's like, no, it's just the little things they do might annoy us, yeah. but it wasn't their intention. You know, everyone's doing the best they can, and you don't know what other people's journeys um, they're on or what they're facing. Uh, and so, you know, always keep that in mind before you respond. Um, again, paying a discipline of being kind and, and watching what you say to others or the pain of regret and, and really just yeah. losing a lot of respect that people might have for you, losing relationships, losing opportunities to add value. You know, if you just ask, hey, man, like when someone pisses you off rather than being like, hey, you pissed me off for this. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, you seem a little little down today or maybe, you know, a little like, you know, not on your game. Like what's happening? Oh. You know, my, my dog just died. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank yeah. God I didn't just rip you a new right. asshole for this. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, be present and have the wherewithal to be kind. Yeah, I love it. That's that's perfect. What, uh, I know you're not a big uh, self-promoter, but uh, are you, so are you even on social media? I, like, I am. I'm learning. Okay. I'm learning. <laughs> if Dan Fleischman's out there, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm learning. Um yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'm actually pretty easy to find. Um, Instagram is at Randall Crowder. Twitter is Crowder official. Um, yeah. I have at Randall Crowder, but I can't remember my password. So, you know, maybe one day I'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> but for right now, it's just Crowder official. 
Um, you know, LinkedIn is Randall Crowder, uh, Facebook, same. And then just, you know, Funware, you know, check us out, you know, funware.com. Yeah. It's with a PH, uh, publicly traded on NASDAQ, uh, ticker symbol is PHUN. Uh, we also have some stuff we're doing around blockchain. So you can download Fun Wallet on uh, iOS and Android. Uh, you can go to funtoken.com. We have our own utility token. We're the first publicly traded company to do it. Uh, we're also the first publicly traded company to have a security token. So we have FunCoin as well. So a lot of cool stuff we're doing. Um, so but you can go to funware.com, check it out, um, dig around and see what else we'll see all, yeah. uh, kind of all the things we're up to. Uh, and yeah, you know, hit me up, reach out. If I can be helpful, let me know. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. It's been a uh, fun conversations. The time's gone by yeah. quick. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm sure we could talk forever, but I really yeah, appreciate you know your time. I appreciate you curating yeah. you know this content and this audience. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.